Hello, and welcome to another episode of The Trill, a podcast by The Trillium. My name is Aiden Shimandi. I'm a reporter with The Trillium. Hi, I'm Jessica Smith-Cross. I'm the editor of The Trillium. And I'm Adil Shamji, member of provincial parliament for Don Valley East and the latest Ontario Liberal leadership candidate. And being the latest Liberal leadership candidate, that's why we wanted to have you on the podcast today. So in your leadership launch video, you said you've been touring across the province. Um, and we were wondering, where have you been? Uh, you know, I've been throughout the GTA to Ottawa, throughout uh, southwestern Ontario, northern Ontario. But I think, you know, my experience with traveling across Ontario begins well before I was an elected member of provincial parliament. I mean, uh, I'm an emergency doctor and in a decade of clinical experience, I've worked not just in Toronto, but in rural and remote communities across Ontario and the Northwest Territories. And so... I bring all of that experience with me. I mean, yes, I'm returning to some of the communities in Northern Ontario that I've been to before, but the reality is that I have a history of going to those communities to solve the problems that they've been experiencing, of being there to help and to serve them. And now I'm returning to do it again. And so I have uh, almost a lifetime of experience touring this province and becoming a leadership candidate is the next step in amplifying my impact and working for every single person in every part of our great province. That sounds like a fairly well-rehearsed elevator pitch for your leadership candidacy, but directly, asking directly, like what is the elevator pitch for Adil Shamji's candidacy? Because I think, you know, you are fairly new to politics, might be a fairly unknown commodity. So yeah, what, what's the elevator pitch? Well, look, I've, I've spent a lifetime standing up for people and going where help was needed the most done that as an eMERGE doc. I've done that at the forefront of the housing crisis, helping to operate 11 homeless shelters in Toronto. I've done it in rural and remote Ontario. I've done it in Indigenous communities. And at every step of the way, the people and patients that I've been treating and trying to help have been sick because government and public policy is not working for them. You know, politicians see the world from 30,000 feet. And as an MPP over the last year, I've done that. But I've spent an entire career seeing and hearing the stories of people suffering. And what I want to do is make government work for them, amplify my impact and fight for every single person. What's that last year been like? I talked to a lot of doctors doing healthcare rep reporting and they don't all necessarily immediately have a great handle on politics, you know, built in as part of the job. So what has it been like for you to go from doctor to politician? Well, I mean, it's been an incredible baptism of fire. I mean, uh, it, I always knew it would be an honor to get elected. I had once imagined what an incredible honor it would be to have a single critic portfolio. And instead I was elected in the midst of a party that did nowhere near as well as we hoped. Uh, I've had to carry not one, but four critic portfolios, uh, to do the work of multiple MPPs, it, you know, in essence to accumulate in one year, the kind of experience that many MPPs wouldn't even experience in an entire term or more. And I've had to do it with the fraction of the resources. So, you know, when I think about what the learning curve has been like, it hasn't even been a curve. It's been a vertical line, but it's, but it's been an, it's been an amazing opportunity uh, to learn, to develop policy, to make an impact, to fight for every single person in the media studio, launching province-wide campaigns, repairing, you know, uh, 
relationships with public sector unions. Uh, and now this is an opportunity to say, I've learned, I have understood the kind of change that Ontarians want to see, and I'm ready to take my service up a notch. So why did you decide to go from rookie right to leader? Well, like I you know, I've had a career where I have learned to become comfortable being uncomfortable. I'm the kind of person that looks around me and doesn't see the problems that I have solved. I see the problems that remain to be solved. And working at Queen's Park in, you know, with the government that has created an unbelievably toxic atmosphere, with a government that seems to serve special interests and not individuals, with a government that is taking aim at healthcare, at education, at our green belt and the environment, all I see is how much more change there needs to happen. And using all of the tools that I've been able to use as an MPP, I'm proud of what I've accomplished, but I'm frustrated that I haven't been in a position to be able to accomplish more. And so being a leader is an opportunity. Being a leader and ultimately a premier is an opportunity to take our province's future into, into all of our reigns, into all of our reigns and to fight for everyone. So you listed a, a few issues there and obviously coming from a medical background, I you know, can understand if, if healthcare is, you know, kind of the, the primary issue for you or one of the top issues, but uh, just wondering if you could list off a few of your top issues and kind of why you rank them where you do. Well, you know, as, as I've been listening to Ontarians as an MPP, as I've been going across the province, a couple policy areas keep coming up over and over and over again. Of course, healthcare is one of them. Housing is a big one. Cost of living, education. Uh, protecting our environment. And, you know, I, I have learned that when it really comes down to it, all policy is health policy. If we truly want to achieve our full physical, emotional, and, so, and social well-being, we have to get housing right. We have to get education and the environment right. And so I bring that perspective. And while many people expect me to talk about nurses and doctors and hospitals, and I can do that, the reality is that I can speak about how policy failures in almost any domain or any, or any ministry impact our overall well-being. And that's why you'll, you, know, you may notice that even as part of my exploratory campaign for leadership, I've put out more policy across more policy domains than any other leadership candidate. Do you consider yourself a long shot at all? I mean, we, we talked about how you're a relative newcomer to politics and you, know, you might not have as high of a profile as other candidates and wondering, you know, do you consider yourself a long shot? Uh, not at all. I see a very clear path to victory. I mean, career politicians would like people to think that only career politicians can be leaders. I actually think that's part of the problem. People want, need to be able to believe in government again. I've spent a lifetime in service, a lifetime not in pursuit of personal ambition, a lifetime, uh, you know, a lifetime of working for people and not in exchange for quid pro quos. I think people are looking, I mean, I'm hearing that people are looking for that authenticity. They're looking for people, they're looking for a leader that goes beyond ideology, that doesn't see the world in terms of right and left, but sees the world in terms of what will help individuals. And that is the unique value proposition that I bring. I mean, in the space of one year, I've learned to do everything that a career politician can do without being a career politician. And along the way, I bring an entirely different skill set. I bring the vantage point of someone that has worked in almost every part of this province, 
of someone who's been welcomed into people's lives at their darkest, most dire moments, of someone that has built a career on making the toughest decisions without having enough information and rarely having enough time, but having to consistently be right. I can't imagine what could possibly be better training for being a premier. And as I've been exploring, a lot of people have been agreeing with me. Can you let us in on some of that path to victory? What is the strategy? It's a, it's a new kind of race for the Liberal Party. You need to sign up members. You should do it all over the province because of the way that they're weighted. Can you share a little bit of how you plan to get there? Yes. I mean, so I've built a large, motivated, driven team. And in the weighted one member, one vote environment, we're going to fight for every single vote in every part of the province. And from my perspective, with a credible record of working in every part of the uh, in every part of the province, on credibly credibly working on things that have mattered to so many people, for example, healthcare, for example, housing, we're going to go after every vote by inspiring people, by demonstrating to them my track record on fighting for these things that matter to all of them, and we're going to push right up until the finish line. Now, obviously, you wouldn't enter a leadership race if you weren't trying to win. But, you know, if you don't win, what value do you think you bring to the race? Or, like, what what would be the purpose of running? The purpose of running is to win. And that's what I intend to do. That being said, along the way, I'm going to make sure to shine a light on the things that matter most to Ontarians, the things that people have been telling me uh, about healthcare, about housing. And I can do that more credibly than any of the other candidates. So I'm going to make sure to do that. I also think that all of us, the five leadership candidates in the race, have an obligation to share our perspectives and inspire liberals from every part of the province to come forward to make sure that their voices are heard. And along the way, also identify the liberals who don't realize that they're liberals yet. I think the other thing that I want to say is we have important policy issues that people are talking about, but I think one of the most important ways to achieve our policy goals on healthcare, housing, education, the environment, is to inspire people to believe that government is accountable, trans, uh, transparent, and responsive to them. And I can't help but notice that in the last election, 57% of people didn't vote. They didn't vote because I think they feel their voice and their vote don't count for anything anymore, that politicians say one thing and do another. And by engaging with every person in our province, my personal goal is to show them that there's at least one person out there that genuinely wants to hear, that genuinely wants to fight for them. And when they see that the things they share with me end up in my policy announcements, end up in my speeches, and ultimately end up in my platform as leader and in the things I say as premier, I hope that I will finish inspiring people to believe in that government again. We've heard a lot in this race so far about uh, left and right, where the various candidates stand. There's been, it seems like there's some soul, soul searching going on in the party about what all that means. Can you sort of say, where do you stand on the left-leaning, liberal, right-leaning, liberal, progressive, or I don't know, not so progressive? Is anybody in the race not so progressive? Where are you? Well, what I'll say is, uh, you know, in my personal life, uh, I happen to be a pilot. I don't think in terms of a right wing and a left wing. I didn't know that about you. I just think about flying the plane. And at the end of the day, I think one of the things that makes being a liberal so great is we're sensible, we're reasonable, we're balanced, and we're practical. That's the perspective that I want to bring. 
I have an entire career in which, you know, if, if a patient is dying in front of you, there's no conservative way or liberal or NDP way to treat a heart attack. There's the evidence and evidence-based and data-driven way. And, you know, I've studied public policy at one of the greatest universities in the world. I know law, I know economics, I know political science, and I want to use all of my education and my experience to find the best ways to help people. I mean, I have been complimented by conservatives and NDPers. I've been criticized by conservatives and NDPers. And to me, nothing could be better, could be greater evidence that I sit in the reasonable, balanced middle. But I'm also not going to let, you know, the label of right or left being attached to a particular policy idea sway me from evaluating that policy idea on its merits. Because at the end of the day, good policy is good policy. And I think good social policy is strong economic policy as well. So in that last answer, you said you were a pilot and Jess said that she didn't know you were a pilot. Um, given that we've kind of beaten the drum here of, you know, you being a relatively unknown commodity, I'm wondering, like, what do you want people to know about Adil Shamji, not the politician, you know, whether it be you being a pilot or other stuff that you do maybe in your personal life? I hope that people will realize just how driven I am to improve the lives of everyone around me and to solve the problems that we're all experiencing. And, you know, that, that may seem like something that should be self-evident, but I genuinely believe, and, and it's one of the reasons that I ran to be an elected official, I genuinely believe that it's hard to imagine many politicians like that, many politicians that aren't swayed by special interest groups or transactional relationships. I mean, I have gone from the most trusted profession to the least trusted profession. I take it personally that people question the things that I say and believe that I have ulterior motives. I really hope that people can start by believing in me and then after that, believing in the rest of government and democracy. Okay, what about, what about hobbies? You're a pilot. <laughs> I, I, th I think I read somewhere that you're, uh, you have a black belt in Taekwondo. Is that true? Yeah, so um, you know, I, I, I must admit, my parents were the, were the kind of people that, that weren't quite sure what I would be good at. So they kind of signed me up for everything to see what would stick. And I've proven to be rather relentless. And so even though I was never really very good at a lot of things, I stuck with them anyway. So, you know, I, I learned how to swim. I learned how to play ice hockey, uh, a, a variety of martial arts. And, and I just stuck with them all the way to the very end just because I don't know how to give up. Uh, I, yes, I'm a pilot. I think probably, uh, one of the things that I enjoy doing most in my spare time is playing with my darling three and a half year old golden retriever Cocker Spaniel mix, whose name is Petunia Wigglebottom. <laughs> she brings great joy. She's named after uh, my <laughs> wife. My wife's first, the, the first nickname I gave to my wife was Petunia. Uh, <laughs> I love my wife. And so I, you know, I, and I love my dog. So they're, they're both, they both had the same nickname and, uh, Petunia's last name, Wigglebottom. I'd always imagined that we'd have a very friendly and happy dog that would wag her tail a lot. It turns out she's really lived up to the name. She very much wags with her entire body. And so, um, I think one of the hardest parts about doing, about participating in this leadership race is the amount of time I'm going to have to spend away from, you know, my wife and Petunia Wigglebottom. 
but in, in, in service of what's, of what I hope is best for our province, I'm ready to do it. Do you always say her full name? Like say she's jumping up on the table to try and get some food. Do you say Petunia Wigglebottom no, or do you say Petunia no? Well, uh, it, it depends. Uh, it depends how upset we are. I mean, uh, you know, on any regular day, if we call her, it's just Toonie. Mm. As we become more upset with their behavior, it becomes Petunia. And she knows she's really in trouble if we yell out Petunia Wigglebottom. Now, it's, it's usually hard for other people to maintain a straight face when they hear that. Us included. Yeah, sorry for snort laughing on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but, but Toonie knows. Uh, listeners, just so you know, um, we are in Adel's office right now and he is wearing a pair of blue socks with a golden retriever on them, wearing um, science type goggles and, uh, you know, atomic symbols and whatnot. So it's, it's very on brand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, I, uh, all my life I've, yeah, I've stepped up to challenges and, and I've been ready to do the difficult things and talk about the serious things. But I, you know, I like to have fun. I do have a sense of humor and, um, and my family's a big part of that. All right. I think that does it for us. Otto, thank you so much for joining us. Jess, thanks for coming. It's Listeners, good. tune in again next week. It's been my absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me. Bye.